Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. And welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And joining us today is Chris Baggett. Chris Baggett's going to talk to us about Cluster Truck. Welcome. Welcome, Chris. Love to have you here on Corner Booth. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, Chris, we became introduced through uh, Meredith Sandlin, and you have taken your business in some really amazing directions. And I had a chance to chat with you before this podcast and uh, learn that you have some background as a farmer. So you're up and down supply chain here. So we're going to ask you, uh, you know, how, how did you, where'd you start and how did you get to where you are and give us some, some background on, on your business and who you are. Um, yeah, sure. My core experience has been with software and software kind of entrepreneurship, if you will. I was really fortunate to be a co-founder of a company called Exact Target, which we started kind of a pioneer in the digital marketing space. We started in 2000 with that and were able to go public in 2012. And then we were acquired by Salesforce. We were their first multi-billion dollar uh, acquisition. And then I had a company called Compendium Software, which was acquired by Oracle. Along that journey, I got very interested in regenerative agriculture and you know, sustainable farming and things like that. So we started a farm business where we basically direct market meat, grass-fed beef and, and chicken and pork direct to the consumer online. And as part of that, I wound up with a couple of restaurants, very small restaurants in the small town I live in, which is in Indiana. And, you know, along that journey, like sort of mid-2015-ish or so, 14, you know, we were getting involved in digital ordering you know, with my background primarily in the internet, you know, we were trying to be pioneers in that space. And, you know, I saw a lot of friction in the restaurant, you know, multiple tablets, you know, inventory management. And did I just sell that cheeseburger online or can I sell it to the person standing in front of me? You know, you know, just a lot of friction. And, you know, I saw Grubhub go public, you know, saw Matt Maloney being interviewed on, you know, Jim Cramer or something like that. And, you know, just kind of listening to how this whole online ordering marketplace. And this was almost pre-delivery, but delivery had a role in it. Because if you remember Grubhub, when they first started, you know, they were still 90% just marketing, right? You know, I just thought that the system just seemed too convoluted, too broken, too many moving parts, you know, and started a mental game of how would, how would you do it better? You know, a bunch of different stories came together. I had a friend in the pizza business, Kraft Pizza, he owned a pizzeria, you know, wood fire, beautiful place. And one day we were sitting at his bar and, and a pizza goes out the door in a box. And he's like, oh, I hate that. And I'm like, well, what do you hate about that? You know, and he's like, well, my pizza doesn't taste very good 10 to 15 minutes later. Like it needs to be consumed right out of the oven. He's like, it's not like a Domino's or a Papa John's where, you know, they've got food scientists working on how do I make this pizza hold up for 45 minutes. You know, so a lot of things like that. David Chang had done Maple and he was trying Ando. And, you know, it just felt like this was a software problem. And, and that's kind of how we approached it. And that led to Cluster Truck. Sorry, long answer. but No, it's a, it's yeah. a great answer. So, so, what, so trust Cluster Truck, where is it now? What, who are using it? Uh, what's, what is the business model at this point? Well, we started off as a software company. Mm-hmm. primarily to to fix the delivery problem, right? And the way we looked at it was this really needs to be vertically integrated. You know, if you think about, you know, I'm old, so Federal Express, you know, when Fred Smith got a C on his paper, you know, it's because he had the audacity to say, I need to own the airplanes, right? If I own the airplanes, I can bring you a package, I can tell you where it is, and I'll have it there at 10 o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And um, And as we got into this problem, we realized that, to do good delivery, deliver high quality food profitably, um, that you really needed to be vertically integrated. You need to control the entire system. Everything from inventory management to what's going on at your cook stations, 
to what's going on with your drivers. And if you don't control all three of those, you really can't do this very well or very profitably, which was happening in 2015 and 16 and is still happening today. And the way we looked at it was just like my friend Neil and his pizza, you know, we need to be able to time the, you know, when are you going to eat the food? Where's the driver? What's going on in my kitchen? So how long will it take me to make this food? Um, you know, and the example I always give is if you order a pad thai and a cheeseburger from us and the pad thai takes six minutes and the cheeseburger takes three minutes and the driver's 20 minutes away, don't start cooking the pad thai till the driver's six minutes away. So in our system, you know, we will hold that order. We call it in the cloud outside of the kitchen. Kitchen doesn't even know about the order. Um, until the driver's six minutes away, and then we'll fire the pad thai. And four minutes later, we'll fire the cheeseburger, right? So the kitchen doesn't even know there's a cheeseburger coming until it's supposed to cook it. And both of those items are done immediately as the driver's pulling up to take the food. Um, but you also have the problem of, what if I have 20 cheeseburgers in the cloud? Like, I can't make that cheeseburger in three minutes, right? I need to know that. So therefore, don't start the pad thai. Therefore, the system's going to assign that driver to a different job, right? So, the, you know, we call it being resource aware. Um, the, you have to know everything that's happening in every station. And, you know, do I have enough carrots to make pad thai, right? It all has to tie together um, with the drivers in order to make this work efficiently. Um, so when we did this, there was no such thing as a ghost kitchen. So we literally had to go into the restaurant business and create cluster truck and cluster truck. You know, we have four units right now. We're in Indianapolis, Minneapolis, I'm sorry, Indianapolis, Kansas city and Columbus, Ohio. Um, we have basically two units and we're just opened a third unit in Indianapolis. So five total. Um, but, um, you know, we're, um, yeah. So anyway, that's, that's how it works. Um, we have over 90 items on the menu in the cluster truck side. Um, uh, we make everything from you know, Asian food to vegetarian dishes, salads, pizzas, you know, um, burgers, sandwiches, you know, everything someone would want to eat um, they can get from cluster truck, but it's all in a single kitchen on a single line, um, you know, made by us. So this technology that you use to control this, this isn't a product like say many others that are out to be available uh, for sale and for implementation in other restaurants. Uh, th this is for yours. So we build it for ours. You know, we, we call it a, a basically a seven year beta test. Like we've done over three and a half million deliveries under seven minutes, under 8% delivery cost. Um, and you know, under 29 minutes total time. Um, but yeah, the whole purpose of Meredith and, and that, that is we've spun off our software into a separate company called Empower.Delivery. And Meredith is the CEO of Empower.Delivery. So we are now marketing this software to other ghost kitchen people. And very, very specifically, you know, this is very enterprise sized. And, and I know enterprise is, a, is kind of a funny word in in the restaurant industry, when people talk about enterprises, I'm learning in the restaurant business, you know, you're thinking about people with lots of units, even though those units can be kind of small volume, especially when it comes to delivery. You know, if the average, I think the average restaurant delivery is like 10 or 15 orders a day. But, you know, for a system like ours, we're really targeting people who are doing north of 100 orders a day. In our downtown Indianapolis kitchen, we do close to 1,000 orders a day delivered. And those orders can have anywhere from one to 50, you know, items on them. They can be group orders, cater, you know, not catering necessarily, but team orders where everyone's getting what they want. So um, it's incredibly high volume, um, you know, but our small kitchens will do 75 to 100 orders a day. But below that, you know, you're better off with DoorDash or, or something like that. You know, they have a really good SMB solution for, for, you know, if you're trying to do it incrementally as part of your regular business, but the folks who are interested in cluster truck and empower delivery, they're really looking for, um, they're building purpose-built delivery only instances of, of, you know, they want to get delivery out of their kitchens, out of their restaurants. Um, and it really can't work. It's just very hard to coexist like that. Um, my 
deep background before exact target, I was in the catalog business and, um, you know, Sears was one of my customers, you know, back when Sears was, you know, number five on the fortune 500 list. Right. And, you know, they knew how to ship product everywhere in the world and they had the everything store. But when the internet came along, you know, they looked at it as an incremental channel. They, you know, you know, it, it was never, it was never the sole purpose of their existence. And, and it didn't work, right? You know, the internet is a different thing. E-commerce is a different thing than retail commerce. You know, there used to be this talk about omni-channel, you know, back in the 2000s that, you know, oh, we're going to be omni-channel, you know, and, and that's, you know, it doesn't work. Um, it's never worked. Um, and, um, you know, Amazon came along and said, we're going to be purpose-built to do e-commerce. And the people who win in e-commerce are purpose-built e-commerce players. And the people who win in retail are purpose-built retail players. If I want a suit, I'm going to go to Saks or Nordstrom's and I'm going to have the mirrors and, you know, a person standing there with pins and a tape measure and chalk and, you know, have that experience. Right. But, you know, if I want to order on e-commerce, I don't order from Nordstrom's. I order from a a purpose-built e-commerce platform. And the same thing is happening with with prepared food delivery. It's an e-commerce business. It's not a hospitality. It's a different kind of hospitality, but you know, if I want a nice dinner, I'm going to go there. If I want to drive through, I'll go to drive through when I'm out and about. But if I want food delivered to me, you know, it's going to be better if it's purpose built and 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 focused on delivery. Does Empower um, also lean on the uh, model of uh, vertical integration? And I'll focus on the uh, the the drivers, the delivery drivers. Not have you know have the delivery drivers are essentially. Um, part of the business. Right, right. The software empowers, pardon the pun, but, Mm -hmm. you know, empowers the drivers and you to manage the drivers. They're Mm -hmm. 1099s, just like, you know, everyone else's, but, you know, they, they, they will choose you because it's a better gig. They will make more money. Um, There's a lot more dignity to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in our case with cluster truck, you know, we bring the food to the driver they queue up in the car or the bikes and we hand it to them. Um, and the customer is waiting. One of the trade-offs, we, we offer free delivery. And the trade-off for the customer for free delivery is that they need to be there. So when the driver has the food, there's an alert that fires to the customer. The customer, you know, either a text or if they're push notification, if they're on the app, um, they'll see the driver. They can track it like you're tracking a Lyft or an Uber car and you'll see, okay, they're four minutes away. They're two minutes away. They're 30 seconds away. And you need to be on the sidewalk waiting for them. So, you know, again, as a suburban father, um, you know, there were many, 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 many days with my four kids, you know, for years where a pizza would show up at my house and doorbell rings and who ordered the pizza and I have to get up and go get it, bring the guy in, go to the kitchen, hustle around for some money, you know, that whole transaction was like seven, eight minutes in my house, right? And if you can eliminate that time, you can make the drivers more efficient. On the Empower platform, a driver can get between four and six jobs an hour. On the third-party systems, the way they work today, driver's lucky to get 1.2 jobs an hour. So you can pay the driver a lot less per job if they can get a lot more jobs per hour. And the reality is you get better drivers. Like we have very little turnover, brought on a new driver, you know, in our whole system, the cluster truck with our five existing restaurants, we we manage about 250 drivers. Um, we haven't brought on a new driver until last week in almost a year. Um, we put up an ad on Indeed and we got, I think, 700 applications for one one spot. So the word's um, out or what, what, what about the way that you're sourcing and recruiting these drivers that is getting the line up? Um, what is it word of mouth or is it essentially what you're paying them or what? Well, it's very much word of mouth. You know, they all have like user groups. So the tactic we use is either Indeed, you know, gig driver wanted, or we'll go into like the DoorDash user group on Facebook and be like, hey, we're we're bringing on drivers, try cluster truck. Here are the advantages. And the advantages are many because you don't have to get out of your car and you can make more money. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and we use the word dignity a lot because, you know, for these drivers, you know, they do a lot of work, the DoorDash driver, right? And, you know, I'm talking about third party, right? They've got to go into that restaurant. Every head is going to turn and look at them when they walk in. Nobody really wants to see them, right? The employees aren't happy. The customers standing there aren't happy. 
um, you know, it, it really is kind of a demeaning experience. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I always laugh because you look at reviews for cluster truck in any of our locations, you'll see a solid five stars and how often they, they call out the driver. And, you know, Bob was so friendly. The driver was so professional. They were so polite, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of people that want to work in the gig economy, you know, but you want the best working for you, right? So they're going to go to the best gig. And, you know, we really set out, you know, whiteboard number one was don't cook the food till you know where the driver was. Whiteboard number two was let's take the worst job in the gig economy, which is delivering prepared food and make it the best job. Um, We just celebrated in May our sixth year um, since we opened our first location in Indianapolis. Um, We had 30 drivers start that week. 21 of them are still with us. I made 21 phone calls to, to 1099 drivers who are still driving for cluster truck. Excellent. Um, yeah. So really high percentage. That, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, they never go. I mean, people get to know who the drivers are. You certainly get to know them at the kitchen level. Whereas if you're in a restaurant, like you don't know who these drivers are, you don't know who these delivery people are, but when you're working with the same, you know, 10 or 15 drivers every single day, um, you know, they're part of the team. They feel like they're part of the team. Huge deal. And and for those who use Empower, um, are they going to be all, are they all going to be those who are running out of ghost kitchens or are they going to uh, that which which was, as you explained, was the, uh, the 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 model of cluster truck um, with Empower software? Um, is it really only set up for those who are running a uh, food service similar to what you were doing with cluster truck? Yes. Yes. Our initial target and, and profile, if you will, is, is our people who are, um, are going to do purpose built delivery only. It really has to be our entire system, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's not, you can't pick and choose a component of cluster or empower and, and, and make it work with something else. You know, I mm-hmm. think lunchbox has a really neat ebook, um, called How to Build a Ghost Kitchen Stack. And I believe there are 13 different pieces of software you need to do what we do with Empower. Um, you, know, you know, we don't do accounting. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so the people we're really focused on, uh, I call them sophisticated independents. Um, they are, um, um, they're, they're kind of off everyone's radar, but they're people that own several concepts, usually city focused, regionally focused, where they, um, they have a couple of concepts, a few concepts, you know, but maybe they have 20 restaurants or 15 restaurants, or, you know, one of our first customers is going to be Mike Cunningham here in Indianapolis, Cunningham mm-hmm. Restaurant Group. Um, they own, I think, 45 restaurants over maybe five or six different concepts, never embraced delivery, didn't want to lose their data, didn't want to lose track of their customer experience or their hospitality. If they got into delivery during COVID, it's reluctantly, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they understand that delivery is a category. You know, as Mike Cunningham said to me, um, he's like, you know, I recognize that my dining rooms are full and delivery is still a thing. Therefore, my customers are getting their delivery from someone else because I'm not in it. And so he's building a ghost kitchen specifically um, where he will run all of his brands. I think he's got 60 items on the menu out of a single unit, you know, to satisfy the demand for his customers who want delivery. And, you know, they're, they're, we're talking to people like that all over the country. You know, maybe uh, since we're talking, you just gave one great example of who a user would be and, and how he is going through the starting process. Many of our listeners have uh, profited from uh, opening processes of people in uh, in more of the traditional startup phase of a restaurant or expansion of a concept, franchising, food truck. Um, but for our listeners, <clears throat> perhaps would you mind sharing the steps involved in setting up a ghost kitchen? I mean, I, I mean, I imagine everything from determining where um, the better location, type of warehouse, size. Um, uh, uh, equipment issues, um, about how long and how much of a budget is really required for people when they decide this is something they need to do? Sure. Well, I think one of the benefits of a ghost kitchen is that there is no retail. There's no front of house, right? So you don't need that retail main street, you know, or, you know, 
outlawed in the suburb strip mall or something like that, right? You can go into a lot less expensive type locations, but you do need that population density um, within, you know, you know, call it a seven minute radius. Like that's sort of how we measure it is. Okay. You never want your food to be more than seven minutes old. And if at seven minutes, you're looking at a 14 or 15 minute round trip, which gets your drivers four jobs an hour. And we find that to be kind of the breakthrough because if it works for the drivers, you're going to have great service, right? If you're struggling to find drivers, you know, because you're making them drive 15 minutes to take the food, first of all, the food's not going to be very good. And second of all, um, the drivers aren't going to be happy because they can't make enough money or you have to pay them too much and suddenly delivery becomes unprofitable, which is the situation we have now with third parties. So the main thing is looking at that kind of population density. The other thing we say is that you really, you do need to have a variety on your menu, right? It, it you know, other than pizza, very few people have ever built a purpose-built delivery environment on just one concept. If I'm in seven minutes, I need to feed everybody a little more frequently, right? So I'm going to feed you a salad on Monday because you're feeling guilty about your weekend. By Friday, you're back to, you know, macaroni and cheese or pad thai or, or everything. So having that broad menu really helps. Having a broad menu also helps your average order value, which is important um, because um, you can feed groups of people. You know, we, we before COVID, were about 40% workplace. Um, very disruptive to catering because, you know, I don't have to order something that's going to be made at eight o'clock in the morning and then stored and then reheated and then put on my counter that doesn't get consumed until 1230. Um, you know, I can just place an order. So, you know, people um, and Empower empowers this, but, you know, you can have group ordering where individuals pay. We all want to eat lunch together. I can pass around a code or there's, a, you know, on the app, there's QR codes and things like that, that everyone can get in on the same order paying separately, or if I'm the boss and I'm having a meeting, the invite can go out and the link can go out in the invite saying, pick what you want to order. And the food will be made hot and fresh and delivered and everyone can get what they want. You know, in COVID, we were kind of worried about, you know, the offices closing, serving more families. We thought, oh, we're going to have to start making meatloaf, you know, and whole chickens and, and, you know, family style dinners. But it turned out that customers didn't want that. They still right. wanted you know, Billy gets chicken fingers and Sally gets us kids pizza and, you know, mom wants something, dad wants something else, you know. So, but, you know, our average order value didn't change at all in COVID, which is always I found fascinating. So I variety, it, I think, matters. See, and I, and I just wanted to underline that point because I find that fascinating. We, we've had tremendous success for years with people feeling like they could enter delivery. And it's because they have really mastered the simplicity of one or two items, you know. Right. Wings, sliders, pizza. Okay, I got it down. I got the timing down and I have the packaging down. So I think I'll step into delivery. Uh, but I really like the point you made to succeed in a ghost kitchen, the variety matters. Uh, right. You get the repetition of ordering. And I think you also mentioned that it encourages a higher check average. These are things that I think people are very you know, interested in if they're going to be starting up a ghost kitchen. Well, you eliminate the veto vote, you eliminate the discussion of most delivery, which is probably 20 minutes of where do we want to order from, right? If you can order from someplace, you also, because you've solved the time problem, you don't really have to worry about packaging and, and like food that's, I use air quotes, you know, designed for delivery. Um, you know, I can remember reading an article about David Chang back in the day. Um, where he was talking about this Philly cheesesteak that took him like six months to develop this Philly cheesesteak recipe that would still taste good after 45 minutes. And, you know, we're like, dude, solve the 45 minute problem. Right. And you could serve any cheesesteak you want and you don't have to worry about how it's packaged because you're delivering it almost in the time that, that you could serve it in a restaurant, you know, and um, you know, I had somebody posted, if you look at Indy on Google, um, our indie cluster truck review. Somebody put a picture up the other day of um, it's a picture of pad thai on their counter and they have an instant read thermometer in it. And this was their review. It was 166 degrees, like delivered, right? They were, that's, that's how shocked they were that that's what they posted. Like the food was still hot. Um, and so when you can do that, and that's what the technology enables, it really opens up the entire universe of what kind of food can be delivered. 
And I think having that variety probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably broadens the day part. Uh, uh, do you have a good demographic ordering these items during the day for the lunch rush throughout the day, but then also suburban family, I'm not cooking, let's get something delivered in the evening? No, that's exactly right. You know, we do breakfast. Breakfast represents about 20%, or I'm sorry, about 10%. Lunch represents about 50 to 60%, um, depending on the location. And then dinner, the rest. But again, in a suburban market, it's more dinner. In an urban market, it's more lunch. Um, you know, lunch is a lot more compacted, right? Because lunch is an hour and a half every day. So in our indie kitchen, we'll do 500 orders in a lunch, but we have to do that in an hour and a half. Whereas dinner might be also 500 orders, but that's going to be spread out over several hours. So it's easier. Um, but um, yeah, but yeah, and you're also feeding, like you mentioned demographics, and that's something that's always been interesting to us too, because it's very hard to, to target a demographic. You know, we have to feed everyone. Like we feed nurses in hospitals, we feed school teachers in schools, we feed millennials, you know, we feed Gen Zers, like, you know, again, where they have that variety of the menu that, you know, you could kind of satisfy all of those palates, but it doesn't have to be crazy. Like we have 90 items on the menu across probably eight or nine different categories, you know, really 10 different categories. Um, but, you know, Mike Cunningham's going to probably have five categories or four categories, you know, across what he does. And, um, and uh, you know, some of our other prospects are, you know, we have one that's, you know, just a regional breakfast chain, right? They have probably 27 restaurants, um, you know, but they're kind of compacted in certain areas and they're going to build a ghost kitchen. They're building a ghost kitchen, um, you know, they were doing it whether we came along with Empower or not. They're just really happy that Empower, you know, exists. But, you know, that's the thing. A lot of these people are realizing that this third-party system is really broken. And if you're just doing incremental volume, fine. But if, you, if, you're, if you're recognizing that this is actually a category that's, that you can compete in and, and do really profitable, good volume, you know, people are building these kitchens, again, whether Empower exists or not. And now it's just like, you know, that's, that's where that was kind of our insight was, you know, we have this software, we're using it. Other people are trying to do what cluster truck is doing without any technology. Yeah. You know, it's, and I'm going to kind of bounce this back to you, Chris, because you've been a consultant for years and you've seen this emerging. And one of the things that always occurred to me, and I think you had this conversation is that running a, a full service or even a sit down fast casual restaurant where you have the public come into your restaurant is a different business than delivery. They're two different things. And then, you know, people like you and me who've been this for a while, and we've been looking at restaurant categories in terms of different styles of service. Now we have this mutation that doesn't seem to be working very well, one. And um, we know it's going to evolve in some way. And I guess what's really captivating to me, and I want you to comment on this, I suppose, is that this is a truly separate category. This is a separate business model. This yeah. is a separate thing. If sure, you got some, you got five full service restaurants. That's awesome. You want to get into this. You're talking about a different model, a different way of supplying it, a different way of delivering it. It's a different business. Does that make sense? Well, it really does because most independents, I think, kind of realize that the hard way. Uh, most of the people that we watched very carefully, some of the smaller multi-unit independents would say two concepts or maybe one concept in two, three, four locations. They really did, you know, sort of pivot into that delivery, car side pickup, third party delivery. Um, some maybe even created their own virtual concept that they ran out the back door of their restaurant. But I think in the back of their mind, they were still thinking that this is until I get my dining room full again. Right. And then going back to Chris's point earlier, see, I think now they're reluctantly learning that, you know what? People have come back. People did miss mixing it up. They missed the socialization of dining. So now guess what? They're dining out again. But they are still wanting the convenience of deliver to my home or deliver to my office. So they are reluctantly, I think, realizing that this really is a segment of my business. It wasn't just a part-time thing. It's a segment of my business. Um, I know of a couple that were very surprised that they are getting requests to continue doing their meal packages that they thought they were going to be doing only through COVID. 
they're dinner for twos, different specials by the day. And, um, and you know, Chris, in some states, um, the delivery and the pickup and whatnot, bottled alcohol, canned craft beer can be included. And so a lot of restaurants were doing that. And they still thought, though, that once the dining room comes back, I probably won't do it. No, the dining room is back. And guess what? Instead of just maybe only having five or 6% of their sales to go, they have 20 some percent because people are still demanding the convenience. So I think Barry, you're right. This is a market segment. Delivery is a part of uh, people's concept now. And it's a a juggling match to, to run delivery and full service. And, you know, I'll, I'll point this back to you, Chris, do do you really want to risk having a well-respected full services brand pulled down by, excuse my language, a a half experience on the delivery end when you could have avoided that if you had a system that was specifically set up for delivery. Right. And it's, it's, it degrades the experience on both sides, right? Because if you're Mm -hmm. in the hospitality business, the customer in front of you has always got to be the most important customer, right? I mean, we've all been annoyed, you know, your entire life. If you walk into some place and somebody's like, oh, excuse me, and gets on the phone and talks to another customer that's mm-hmm. not there, right? Like, right. you know, you just can't do both. But if you're doing a digital only e-commerce business, that e-commerce customer is the master, right? Everything is built for them. And, and it's just really hard to do when you have two masters. You can't, you can't, satisfy them both to the same degree. One is always going to be a stepchild. And, um, you know, and that's, you know, I, again, I use my Cunningham a lot because he's been sort of my restaurant guru since we began this. You know, when I first started thinking about this, I was trying to go to every restaurant person I know, like, is this a dumb idea? You know, and, you know, finally got to Mike, who I didn't know before. And, and he's like, you know, but here's what you need to do, right? How to set up a restaurant, how to, you know, what's the equipment like? You know, we, I was kind of looking at food trucks and my first idea was licensed food truck recipes. Um, that's why we call it a cluster truck. Cause that's like a cluster truck is a bunch of food trucks. And I thought, well, these food trucks are out there and they're going to tweet, Hey, I'm in the corner of Maple street today, but if you can't come order from cluster truck and you can buy my dish on cluster truck. And, you know, Mike kind of poo pooed that because he was like, you know, you, you, you kind of have to have shared ingredients, right? You have to have a process right. and a system and, and the food. And this is a, you know, gets back to what do you need to set up to do this successfully? You know, the food kind of has to work together, right? You can't have six different kinds of chicken. You can't have six different kinds of ground beef, right? It's, you know, and, you know, I started thinking about like Google's cafeteria, right? Okay. How mm-hmm. do they do that? Where everyone recognizes that this is world-class food but it's still a cafeteria, right? They make great salads and great vegetarian dishes and great pizza and great hamburgers and Indian food. And, you know, they do it with shared ingredients and they do it with a single line. And, you know, Cheesecake Factory was then where I kind of discovered it. And our original culinary team, our executive chef, um, um, you know, was 20 years Cheesecake Factory, you know, and that's, you know, look how they do it. And they have 160 items on their menu and, and the highest grossing, I believe the highest grossing restaurant chain per unit that there is. Um, so we really kind of copied off a of cheesecake in that respect of how we built the kitchen. But that was almost too big. Our first kitchen in Indianapolis, you uh-huh. know, we'll do seven and a half million dollars there this year. But when you get out to the suburbs, you know, we needed to find a way to break even at, you know, $20,000 $20, a week is kind of our, you know, a million, a million two, like, you know, more in the fast casual space. Right. So we really had to rethink how to make food, um, you know. Um, we're using a lot more ovens, you know, uh, um, oventions and, you know, we're looking at turbo chefs and these invections and, and things like that, where we can eliminate, you know, saute stations and flat tops and still have a very broad menu, just not very deep, if you will. I can't make 50 pizzas at a time, but, you know, mm-hmm. I can make 50 items as long as you're kind of running horizontally across my menu. There you go. Uh, excellent points. And I hope the listeners are making note of that this, you just can't jump into this without uh, some serious direction and um, cross utilizing prime product, right. as you mentioned. Um, and the idea of being able to do um, what we kind of consider the multifaceted equipment to get away from that one at a time saute, because you can do, right. you know, the bulk combi ovens and uh, steamers. Um, and so uh, those are a couple of things that I know are going to probably become a lot more uh, mainstay as ghost kitchens continue, you know, to successfully grow. It's a slightly different bulk kitchen approach. 
And it really does emphasize on, uh, you know, cross utilizing your prime product so that you can have that appearance of variety that you mentioned, <clears throat> but without having inventory control going crazy. Right. And that's the thing. Everything we do is want to bring a new menu item. The very first question is, what do we have to bring in extra? Right. And, you know, that, you know, and okay, what's the shelf life of that? What's the, you know, no truffle oil, you know, no lobster. If all we're going to have is one lobster roll. Right. Um, and some of those things, not, not being from the restaurant business, you know, we learn the hard way. Um, well, you know, Barry, what I really like that I'm hearing here is that we've had previous conversations where people have um, underlined the challenge of this growth in uh, ghost kitchens and separate deliveries. Um, and they've outlined the, the need for uh, creating a guest experience and that dining has is, is always really been more than just convenience price, even more than the quality of the food. It's an overall experience. And I wanted to go back to the points that you made, Chris, earlier that those, you know, those two main goals of always having quality food because nothing is going to start until you've confirmed how far away the driver is. Uh, I think is, uh, is a key point. The fact that quality food does come first um, and the fact that the service, the dignity for the driver um, is paramount. Um, so this way you're getting people and you're keeping people. The people and the product, you know, go together to create the experience just like if you were inside a traditional restaurant. It would be up to the product and the people to create the experience. Right. We looked at it as, ingredients like we prep we're a scratch kitchen we make all our own sauces all our own dressings all our own stocks we chop every vegetable we make guacamole to order you know like it you know so we start there with a good product but time is you can have the best product in the world you know if it's 20 minutes old or 40 minutes old there you go it doesn't matter right so mm -hmm. you have to solve both problems you've got to have good food to start with and you've got to solve the time problem and um and you know the driver that's your front of house, right? That is your hospitality, um, you know? And, and so, you know, being able to recruit the best drivers um, who stay with you that understand the system, um, you know, and, and care about the customer, like they understand that good customer service means high repeat business, like they're bought in. Um, and, you know, you know, we have folks that, you know, retire college professors. I told my wife I was going to retire and and it's like, what are you going to do? Just be here, right? Like, there's lots of people like that that just <laughs> want something to do. But the, the the current gig jobs, they're just not fun. They're not good, you know, whereas, you know, our drivers, they, they seem to be having fun. You know, somebody made the comment to me that your drivers, like, who they were visiting the kitchen and they overheard the drivers talking and they, they, they used the term we. Like, what do you think our best dish is? Like, like, like they felt like even though they're 1099s, you know, they talk about we, whereas in the third party world, it's them, right? And they're the bad guys, you know? And that was the thing for us. We look at this industry that is like, okay, growing like mad, you have three major constituencies, the restaurant, the customer, and the driver, and none of them are happy. None of them would rate that even a six, you know, in their experience. And, um, you know, it's like, holy cow, if you can solve these problems, you're going to build a really good business. And, um, and I think that's what these, especially, you know, again, I call these, these sophisticated independents. I don't know what you guys call them. If you have a name for the, the, the Mike Cunningham's, the Martha Hoover's, the Cameron Mitchell's, the, the, right. the, the Dave Query's out in Denver, like, you know, I don't know what that category is. I remember we used to talk to them and be like, well, what conferences, like, do you guys have a group? You know, they don't even have a name for themselves. They're just quietly, running successful businesses a little bit off the grid, off the radar, off the national radar, you know. I mean, Mike opened seven restaurants in 2020 in COVID. Like, yeah. I'm like, you're the bravest person I've ever met in my life. Um, but they're all full and all doing great. So. Oh, we, you know, Chris and I meet and we talk to restaurant tours like that every week. Um, and uh, they're growing. Uh, they're I guess the common unifying factor is they're smart. They know what they're going into. They're humble. They do yep. their planning. Um, and they're treating this like a real business, not like just something, well, you know, I, I, I'll figure it out as I go along. Right. Um, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the interesting thing here um, on, a, on a couple of notes, and I'll ask you to be kind of a little bit of a futurist. You've been in the software industry, um, so you've seen change and you probably can imagine how things work out. If this model is the future 
of the business. And a lot of things you told me um, really resonate. One, we hear so much about uh, operators who say, well, listen, the way this is going to work, third-party delivery, is we're going to try to encourage our customers as much as possible to actually pick up from our place so we can get the driver out of it. And also, it'll work much better if we have a very limited menu because it gets complicated. So let's keep it to some things that travel well and are easy in the kitchen. So you're solving those problems. If this if this is the future of, uh, I'll call it delivery, is the Amazonation of this of that sector far behind, or do you just still think it will will invite competition? Um, or, you know, have one or two major players, maybe like DoorDash and Uber Eats would have liked to have been, but don't seem to be going that direction. Well, how do you see the, that sector unfolding? Well, I mean, I, I would say the Amazonation, Amazonation, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but <laughs> in, in the good respect, right? Like the Amazon customer is really, really happy. And it takes a long time for, you know, companies to kind of become evil, right? But mm. You know, the main thing is, is the customer going to be happier, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I encourage everyone to look at Cluster Truck in any of our cities, and you will see that they are very happy customers. And they write paragraphs. It's crazy. Um, You know, they're blown away um, because their their expectations are exceeded, right? Mm -hmm. The food is hot. The driver's nice. Like, that's (laughs) those two things are worthy of being remarked on. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I see more of... um, I see a lot more of these impingement. You know, we had the president of a uh, middle be up in Indianapolis last week and, you know, visiting us and touring the kitchens. And, you know, I think that kind of cooking is, is got a big future and it can, and still be, you know, it's not microwave pea packaged food. Like you could still do amazing things in these ovens and, and we're all just learning how to cook with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that will help this a lot, but, you know, I also think recognizing this is a category that needs to come out of the restaurant. You know, DoorDash is a great solution for incremental volume, right? Like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense if you're doing 10 or 15 or 20 orders a day to engage in any of this, right? DoorDash has solved that problem. And I always use the example, you know, and I use Chick-fil-A or Chipotle, which I know nothing about. But, um, you know, I have to imagine that there's 2,500 Chick-fil-A or Chipotles. Every one of them is using DoorDash. And most of them are probably doing 15 or 20 orders a day. But some of them probably do 250 orders a day. And DoorDash doesn't have a solution for them, right? They need an enterprise solution, right? They can lower their costs, increase their quality at that kind of volume. And that's the sort of folks, like I said, the people we're dealing with, they expect these units to do between one and five million dollars a year. Like they're not here for an extra three or four hundred dollars a day, um, you know, kind of business. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these purpose-built delivery only, you know dedicated to delivery, to master delivery, not use delivery as a side business, which again, mm-hmm. going back to my catalog days, that's exactly what happened. You know, I mean, we were data-driven catalogers. Like, you know, we'd always have this technology, like let's not send parkas to Miami, you know, let's not send bathing suits to Wisconsin in February, you know, and it really clunky. And, you know, along came email and the internet. And I remember going back to my company and like, this is what we've been trying to do. Oh no, we're in the print catalog business. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Have at it, you know, but at the same time, so was Sears, right? No, we're in the store business. We're in the catalog business. And, and internet was, internet was always, you know, Land's End, LL Bean, like think of all these, you know, you guys seem like you're about my age and, you know, early fifties and, uh, um, you know, but, <laughs> okay. no, but you know, you know what I mean? But I mean, you remember yes. those days, all those catalog companies, like they had the warehouses, they had every, Every advantage to win online, except they treated it as incremental business. They did not dedicate right. it. And, 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 and it was always a side gig. And that's the way delivery is in the prepared food business right now. It's just like the catalog business. And the winners are going to be people who really, really focus on it. And we've proven that with Cluster Truck. Like, we're no brand. Nobody ever heard of us. But, you know, we go in. We're able to build brand. We're able to build water mouth where – you know, if you're at a party and somebody wants to order something, somebody who's ever been to Cluster Truck is going to tell the entire group, wait, order from Cluster Truck, because the experience is going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. And that's the technology. That's not anything magic about the food we're making. Like we make good food, but lots of people make good food. Um, it really is about the technology. 
And also a different way of looking at the world. I mean, some of these examples of uh, L.L. Bean, um, Sears, uh, these were non-sophisticated companies. Their supply chain management and order processing were off the charts. Um, The the shift to a web-based business would have been relatively easy compared to the other logistics that they were dealing with every day. Right, exactly. But they knew too much, right? That's that's why Fred Smith was able to come out of nowhere with FedEx. I mean, these are old companies now, but, yeah. you know, I think we've been very fortunate that we've had good culinary and restaurant advisors, but also we can question everything, right? Like, why would you do it this way? And if you were building this from the ground up to be focused only on delivery, you wouldn't do it this way. And even the software companies that are coming out to try and serve this market are still trying to build off of this existing infrastructure. You know, when we started, we didn't want to do this. We were hoping we could use Micros and, you know, integrate all these things. And it's just like, you get under the hood of this and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much code debt. There's so much legacy that, you know, you're just trying to build new on top of old. It's better just to rip the bandaid off and start new. Mm -hmm. Well, to that point, I was wondering if you would maybe expound on that for the listeners who are interested in learning more about how they could implement uh, empower. Is it something that can work within, say, a variety of uh, POS uh, um, companies that are out there? If somebody already has a POS system, is this something that works with that and, and other inventory management systems that they might already be working with? Um, would it fit in uh, with that or no? Inventory management, maybe. POS, no. Um, I mean, we could share data like, you know, but again, you have to think about this as a purpose built. So, you know, um, like, again, I keep talking about Mike Cunningham, but Mike yeah. has been on Micros. He's switching to Toast, but he'll be using Empower for his ghost kitchen. Now, will that data be shared? Yes. Right. Will he have a central database someplace that tells him that Chris Baggett was at livery yesterday and Brewburger on Thursday and ordered from his ghost kitchen on Tuesday? Yes, he will know that. But it's not it's not going to talk to toast right right um, you know um it's there's not going to be any decisions made based on what's happening in toast um you know and a lot of these that that's what it comes down to is being able to make decisions a lot of these integrations they're just really sharing data but you can't really right. do anything in real time with that data you and know, will I can it know with um and so will it subtract items from inventory like either through restaurant 365 or or extra chef or the others that are out there Probably. Yeah. I mean, we were on Restaurant 365 until we built our own system and we found our own system to be better. But, you know, I think, you know, I, we'll see. I mean, it's we have the whole system. So if yeah. you're going to be putting it in this unit, like there, you're just going to be happier, you know, just using our system and and not trying to cobble together and make a bunch of disparate systems work. Gotcha. And the data can all feed back to wherever, Cisco, U.S. Foods, or whoever, you know, you're trying to, to manage. But again, it's like there's just so many little pieces of software trying to solve one-off pieces. And it's just, it's just going to be really, really hard to do that efficiently and inexpensively. You know, I mean, everyone, everybody wants their nickel. Sure. And, you know, we're still, we're still in the restaurant business where every <laughs> nickel, like, you know, I pick up a nickel in the parking lot still, you know, it's. Every nickel matters. And, um, you know, all that margin, you know, we want you to keep, right? We want the restaurant tour to keep. People want to learn more about Empower, you know, after this and how it might help them with their, you know, standalone ghost kitchen planning. Uh, what's their first move? How do they contact? What do they do? To yeah, learn? they can go to empower.delivery. And so, you know, don't even need a .com, just empower.delivery. Um, my email address is Chris at cluster truck. Anyone's welcome to reach out to me. Meredith is in, Meredith at empower delivery. Um, so we're pretty easy to find all over LinkedIn, all over, you know, um, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's just super interesting. It's just so fun. It's, it's, it's exciting for me having been, you know, 25 to almost 30 years sort of in the internet, you know, like the restaurant industry, the prepared food industry is, is a green field. Like it's, it's sort of kind of like been the last holdout in e-commerce, if you will. And, um, you know, being able to be part of how do you solve these problems and, and, you know, how do you really 
you know, make this good, make this work for restaurants, make it work for drivers, make it work for the customer. Um, you know, it's just an exciting time to be in it. You know, there've been a lot of pioneering things and, you know, um, and, you know, people have been trying a lot of stuff and, and, and that's, that's exciting. Like all the innovation that's happening, and the, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really been fun. Well, I tell you what, I think you're, you're hitting the right, um, you know, target. Uh, and it seems like your program is on all cylinders. I, I just love the fact that you're overcoming some of the issues that I know many operators have, and they feel like that the the delivery piece uh, accentuates the convenience at the cost of the experience. Right. And that, that's that's really good. Thanks. I might write that down. And and I, listening to you today, I'm learning that that doesn't have to be the case. And so and and that's good because. Customers are demanding both. And so I they think- They deserve both. You know, I had um, a very famous person in my office a couple of years ago um, named Ron Shatt, you know, and we were talking about delivery and he was kind of this pre-COVID and he was pretty skeptical on it, you know, and he kept saying, what about hospitality? What about hospitality? And I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting in front of my 70 inch TV with my wife on a quiet evening eating delicious food, like that is hospitality, you know, delivered for free by a friendly person that, you know, I, you know, don't mind them knowing where I live. Uh, um, you know, that is, it's a different kind of hospitality, right? But, um, you know, it's the customer deserves a quality experience and quality experience is going to win at the end of the day. I mean, you know, you talked about ghost brands. I mean, Cluster Truck is a ghost brand and we've launched on the third parties where we use them as marketing platforms. You know, we have 10 or 12 brands out there all leading back to cluster truck, you know, the kitchen doesn't even know that the, the order originated from DoorDash and we still deliver it and we cook the food, but you know, it's, you know, for the restaurants out there that say, I only have two concepts, you know, it's pretty easy to spin up new concepts when they're all virtual, you know? Mm-hmm. So look at your product mix, look at your inventory of ingredients mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, you know, start mixing and matching and come up with other categories that you don't have to have in your brick and mortars, but when you're virtual, what's the old New York times, nobody knows you're a dog. <laughs> well, this has been very exciting. Uh, I mean, I want everyone to realize, look, look, just look at what cluster truck is doing, expanding and winning and it's a successful concept. Uh, and empower is a software that seems to be answering that issue of how can we blend and equally handle quality experience and convenience. So check them out because this is a piece of the pie that uh, isn't going away. In fact, it's just getting larger. No, oh, right. And it's a big market and nobody's, nobody's happy, right? No one's giving tens, you know, and that's, uh, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. But, it, but it's nice to know that, you know what, as operators, we're going to be able to get people closer to there. Thank you so yep. much. We're running out of time, but we really, really enjoyed uh, this and we learned so much about a new Thank growing you. segment of our- Thank you, Chris. Program. That was illuminating. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, Chris. Everybody, we hope to catch up with you real soon on another Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.